You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about a common reader woe, and that is book FOMO. Mm -hmm. When there are too many good books and just not enough time in the day or the year or the lifetime. And we have a spooky interview with Andy Marino. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Here's a weird thing. I, I do read horror, like, year-round, you know? And I just, I was like, I need to read some horror because I know the Glassers are, are reading that horror out there, so I'm trying to re- make sure I read some horror during this month. Um, and I just finished a book called And Then I Woke Up by Malcolm, De- Malcolm Devlin. It's a horror book. Sounds spooky. It has a very spooky, spooky cover. Um, I thought you were going to be like, I've read this. I've never I heard like of it. you read all the horror books. Wow. Okay. I, you know... I'm going to tell you something. I fucking loved it. It was great. I'm trying to see how much I can give away because there's some pretty big twists. Oh, no. In this world of the book, there are all these people who are, quote, unquote, cured. They are cured Um, because, oh, man, how can I tell you? You know what? I'm going to read this to tell you what what it says on, on Goodreads about this because there are a lot of twists. But what you should know is that this is one of the best books to me, I think it is a horror book, but it is really about misinformation and and um, uh, that thing that's happening to people when they get on the internet and the internet only gives them information that mm-hmm. is that like re- uh, reinforces their current beliefs of things that are not necessarily true, like that JFK Jr. is alive or something like that. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to read you what this is because I don't want to give away too much, but it is such a... I'm telling you, Mallory... This book is, it really blew me away in the use of this analogy, but in like a horror world. So it says, in a world world reeling from an unusual monster plague, monsters lurk in the streets while terrified survivors arm themselves and roam the countryside in packs. Or perhaps something very different is happening. When a disease affects how reality is perceived, it's hard to be certain of anything. So basically, people don't know or what is actually happening because there's a disease affecting how their brains are seeing things and they are getting reinforced in ways that they don't totally comprehend. Um, It's great. It's told from the point of view of a person who has already kind of figured out stuff, what is happening. So you, you find out pretty quickly what is happening. But it's written in these really interesting prose that are, I don't know, I was just really blown away by this book. I actually woke up yesterday, and instead of getting out of bed, I laid in bed and read this book because I was so, I had to know what happened. It was, like, very compelling. Uh, what are you reading, Molly? Oh, I'm I'm literally putting putting this on my TBR right now. <laughs> I think I really dug it. Uh, I am reading a book that was actually recommended to us by friend of the show, Paul Tremblay, when we did our story fest, uh, we were talking about scariest books we've ever read. And this is the one that Paul was talking about. And I had never read it before. So I was automatically like, of course, I have to read this. It's Come Closer by Sarah Gran. uh, And I had read Book of the Most Precious Substance earlier this year. It was going to be one of my favorite books of the year. So I already was like, I am sold on reading anything that she uh, that she writes, and it's a wicked short book. So if you're looking for something spooky but not super scary, just, like, spooky and short, this is a perfect Halloween read. The premise is pretty straightforward. It's about a woman getting possessed. It's not, it's not like, a big twist that she's getting possessed. It tells you right on the back of the book that she's being possessed by a demon. But because it's, like, from her first-person point of view, you get, like, all the, like slow ways that the demon starts to take over her. Like they start hearing a tapping in the apartment. 
and then she starts making kind of like weird decisions. She starts smoking again. She starts fighting with her husband. And it's um, by the like midway through the book, you you have to start deciding like whether or not she invited this demon there or if this is ha- if she is a victim or this was something that she kind of wants to happen and it's really well written mm. but i will say it was written like 20 years ago and they're one of the main characters uh i won't say who but uses a couple or so far as far as i've read uses a couple homophobic slurs and you and i were talking before the show i've just been reading so many new releases that i haven't read a book a back uh, like a book that was written you know so long ago in a while i was like oh my god like we like we don't yeah. say that anymore. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just a content warning for that. Um, but the person who is saying them uh, is very clearly, you are not supposed to, there's, it's not a good person. You know, it's not like the hero of the book is right. saying, saying these things. Um, but just, it was very jarring to me. Uh, so just FYI, but um, besides those, those, that, that thing, um, it's great. It's very, very well written, very, very spooky, um, very interesting. So I'm reading Come Closer by Sarah Graham. And I'm reading, or I just read, and then I woke up by Malcolm Devlin. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Nicole wrote in to say, hi, Mallory and Bria. I'm listening to the most recent episode and you say there's no wrong way to enter a bookstore. As a bookseller, I fully agree, but I sadly have noticed there is a wrong way to leave a bookstore. I work for an indie bookstore. Oh, go on. Um, Yeah, I'm very... Uh, this is this this feedback made me mad not mad at nicole but mad at these people uh, nicole says i work for an indie bookstore and almost hourly or more someone leaves saying i'll just get it on amazon then or something similar relating oh. to amazon or a commercial bookstore this is not okay in fact it is hurtful to the indie bookstore that you are in yes our books sometimes are more expensive than on amazon but they're a big corporation and can afford to undercut us because they don't care as much about books indies care about books we care so much on behalf of many indie booksellers instead of saying you'll get a book elsewhere please just say thanks for your help and leave it at that i love that you two support indies i talk about your podcast all the time to staff and customers thanks for bringing all us bookish nerds the weekly info and fun okay so Bri, you know how we talk about how the book police are not going to barge into your house and do anything to you well oh wow yes if, i do if, know if, they're if, barging if, in for this folks if you do this to an indie bookstore i will come to your house and have a stern talking to you i, I will come to your house and have a stern talking with you because yeah keep it to yourself if that's, that's what you're doing that's a fucked um, also, up thing to do that is fucked Nicole's up. Nicole's right is, is that Amazon uh, loses money on books. Mm-hmm. That they are they actually do not make money. It's funny because they started as a bookseller, but they don't make money on books because they can make them a buck or two cheaper, and people will go buy it there instead of maybe uh, not always, but they will make it cheaper sometimes so that you'll buy it there instead of at your local indie, which is totally unfair. But I'm <laughs> because imagining they can after do that somebody, they sell, if someone they make does their money. This. They leave a bookstore and then they like kick a puppy on the way home from work. You know, <laughs> they, they eat a cheeseburger and then they throw the le- the wrapper on the ground. You know, this is like if you do this, you are a bad person. I'm just gonna say that you probably do other bad things. You probably eat your coworkers' lunches. You po- probably, oh, yeah. um, you know, microwave fish in a public place. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, you mean like a food? <laughs> 
Like it for eating. I think it's like a goldfish. You know which one microwaves? Honestly, that. That also. That also is a horrible thing to do. Yeah, you're you're definitely the person. You're all the bad that you are talking on your phone, on speaker in public, you know. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You are not flushing gosh, the toilet yeah. in public. You are not washing your hands. This is really, mm-hmm. really screwed up. Again, even, even if you go yeah. to an indie bookstore and like they don't have the book that you want or you know you can get it cheaper somewhere else, don't tell them. That's horrible. Yeah, just don't tell them. I mean, we'd also encourage you to go ahead and, you know, buy it there. But yeah, don't tell them. It's worth a dollar or two or however, you know. I'm just saying, I think this po- this feedback is going to make me become like the Batman of books. Whereas like, when, the, <laughs> when I find out these people have done this, I'm going to meet them on the sidewalk and be like, hey, we got to talk. <laughs> they leave and then uh, Mallory, Mallory's lurking in a dark alley somewhere. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and I uh, march them ready, back into ready, the... Ready, jumps out. I hold them by the ear and I like march them back into the store <laughs> to buy the book. Oh man, that makes me so mad. But Nicole, thank you for all the work that you do. And we're so sorry that people yes. do this. Um, Beth wrote in and said, hey, Glassers, I feel Izzy's pain. Why aren't all the vampire books in one place? So this is about Izzy who wrote in, who said that um, we we're talking about the organization of bookstores. Yeah, yes, this is, is all, the- these are all, this is all feedback about our bookstores episode. Got it. Um, I don't know what kinds of bookstore Izzy has near them, but perhaps a tip for when they travel would be to keep an eye out for bookstores with a specific focus. I am lucky enough to live in New York City where I have access to Blue Stockings, Bookstore, Feminism, Hell Yeah, and Midtown Comics. Comics, mega, art books. Uh, But this list from Wikipedia seems to have a few good suggestions, particularly Dark Delicacies in Burbank, California, which I will definitely shout out to. Bray Grant likes that store also. Yeah, if you Google specialty bookstores, Wikipedia has a list of of Mm -hmm. places that you can go. This is a cool tip. Yeah, and if you're close enough to one of these cities that has a specialty bookstore, I mean, that's amazing. I think it probably is going to be the larger cities in in the world, but still, very cool. Good idea. And then Beth's wheelhouse is books where I also accidentally learn about what life was like during historical events or other times in history, multi-generational stories, books of short stories which intertwine, bottle episodes, <laughs> books set in New York City, especially <laughs> north of the George Washington Bridge, manners and magic, merfolk, uh, winter slash chilly magic, gays in space, lesbian nuns, and paganism versus monotheism. Cool. Love that. Um, I'm glad you list. knew what the GWB was. This was GWB, and I was like, what the hell is that? No, there's, a many, there's bridge. several bridges in the New York. Yorker. And there's like mm-hmm. cool lingo around all the bridges. <laughs> Got it, got it. That's the hip name, the GWB. Yeah, you know, all the cool kids are con- are saying it. Uh, but this is a great wheelhouse. Definitely, a, as soon as you see gl- gays in space, you're like, you're a glasser, aren't you? <laughs> 100%. Not only in gays in space, but lesbian nuns. And I think there is a book that combines those two things. I think there's like a lesbian nun in space book. You're probably right. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Remember, folks, our newsletter is still free, and now it has a fuck ton more shit in it. There's little oh, yeah. essays that we write every month. There is, uh, we answer questions. We talk about things we're eating or reading uh, along with. If you had, if you got it last month, you got pictures of Mallory and I in our favorite Halloween costumes ever. So there's all sorts of fun stuff in that newsletter now. Yes. And it's still free. Uh, and of course we still really appreciate the people who support it. Uh, thank you to all the folks who stepped up to sign up to support us at maximumfun.org. Um, to to help us put it out every month and keep it uh, so we're not paying to send our newsletter. Uh, we really appreciate that. And then a couple bookmarks from us. First off, uh, remember, Readathon is coming up. It's October 23rd. We're starting it 
because we're here in Los Angeles time at nine o'clock in the morning Pacific time. But you can start whenever you want. If you're in another time zone, we're going to uh, have a quick kickoff on Instagram at that time on our on the Reading Glasses podcast Instagram. And then later that day, we're going to end it at 6 p.m. our time Pacific time on Instagram. And the first thing everyone's going to read, except for me, because I had to read it ahead of time, is Fly Away by Kathleen Jennings. It is a Tor.com novella um, that is takes place in Australia. It's got some spooky monster stuff but it's not too scary Again, i'm still reading it now so i can give everyone content warnings before before everyone reads it but we're all gonna uh again besides me read fly away by kathleen jennings if you want and then read other spooky things um really excited uh you could read autumnal things if you want but just something october-y uh it's gonna be really fun again that's october 23rd uh and then another quick bookmark but this time for me i just want to remind everyone that my first middle grade book is coming out next year and you can pre-order it right now it's called girls make movies uh, it was written by me and illustrated by my friend jen vaughn it is a middle grade follow your own path story that you can get for your 12 year old your 16 year old your 66 year old if you really want to but it is mm-hmm. it's appropriate for any age but it, we made sure that it was also okay for you know 10 11 12 year olds but it teaches you how to make a movie while also teaching you all kinds of cool uh, women's history in film teaches you uh, all the ins and outs of how to get a job in the film industry, how movies get made and all the cool women who do all the jobs on a film set. It is super fun. The illustrations are amazing. And so what the way that you move through the book is you make decisions about, um, you know, how, how you want your movie to be made. You want your zombies to be practical. You flip to one page, but if you want them to be computer generated, you flip to another page and you meet other people <laughs> on a film set. Uh, the whole team from, from top to bottom, from development all the way down to the premiere at the end of the book. And, um, if you make some, there's a few places where if you make the wrong choice, you have to turn back around. Maybe you might accidentally blow something up. Who knows? Uh, but it's super fun. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. If you have um, a girl in your life who is interested in film, maybe she makes a lot of videos on TikTok and you're really impressed by them and you're like, wow, maybe she should be a filmmaker. This is the book to get her. You could pre-order it right now. It comes out in the spring. There's a link in the show notes for that. Uh, so before we talk about book FOMO, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Green Chef. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. They make eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, or gluten-free. Maybe you're just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences, and they also are now owned by HelloFresh, which means a wider array of meal plans to choose from. Means that some, there's something for everyone, and you can switch between the brands. Yeah, look, we have really liked Green Chef. It's a lot of fun. First of all, here's how it works. You open up your door. There's your meals. They're sitting right there. They're waiting for you. You don't have to go to the store. You you do not have to uh, go on some. You don't. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything. You just rise at your house and you tell them the kind of meals that you want. You open it up. It's in like some freezer bags, so it stays cool. Don't worry. And then you open up and there's all sorts of like little packages in there of things and it's the exact right amount of things you need. You don't have to go and, oh, I need some dried apricots. You don't have to go buy three pounds of those somewhere and then be like, what am I gonna do with all these dried apricots? (laughs) That is already there. It's already pre-packaged for you. It even will have the spices. You don't have to go buy a bunch of Italian seasoning. Italian (laughs) seasoning is in there. 
It is very fun. For me, it always feels like a fun little creative activity that you get to do at the end of the day. But you, it's nice because it takes out a lot of the guessing, the thinking about uh, what you're going to make. And Green Chef, it's the number one meal kit for eating well for dinners that work for you not the other way around. And they don't just do dinner. They also offer 10-minute lunches, which is wicked cool. Each week's menu includes two convenient, low-prep, and nutritious lunch recipes with no cooking required. You know I love that. And so they offer, Bria, 30 recipes every single week so you can mix and match meals from different dietary preferences in the same box, which is super cool. Maybe you want one vegan, one vegetarian, one gluten-free the next And you can add extra meals really quickly. Maybe you're like, oh, I'm going to be home more often than I normally am this week. And I want four dinners instead of three dinners. It's so convenient. It's so easy. Whether you hate cooking like me or you actually like cooking, but you just don't have the time to go to the grocery store and meal plan and all that complicated stuff. Green Chef has got you covered. And you can go to greenchef.com slash glasses135 right now and use code glasses135 to get $135 off across five boxes and your first box ships free. So that's greenchef.com slash glasses135 and use code glasses135 for $135 off across five boxes. That's greenchef.com slash glasses135. Glasses. Glasses. And now, a live reading from Rachel's Poetry Corner. Elephants Theremin's Clifton, Neopets Poorstrips Jepson, Pine Smell Jellybeans Goalie Goals, Skittles Squirrels and the Mole, Celery Chopsticks Pumpernickel, A Case of You by Joni Mitchell. Lullabies tie-dye, the more you know, all of these things on our wonderful show. All of these things and more wait for you on Wonderful every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. This week, we're talking about an enormous reader woe. In fact, it might be the biggest reader woe of them all. It's book FOMO, or fear of missing out. How do you cope with the fact that you will never get to read all the books that you want to? We are here to help you reconcile this sad fact of life. So... It's a bummer, but we're here to help. Today's episode was inspired by probably 30 (laughs) different emails that we got about this. Uh, Some people write in and they feel panic. Some people write in, they feel pressure. Some people have a hard time finishing books because they're so anxious to get to the next one. One example is from Guadalupe, uh, who says, I love the energy in the way you two talk about books and reading. I'm from Argentina and we approach reading differently here. My book problem is that I don't know how to deal with my book FOMO. Sometimes I get so anxious about my TBR and all the books that I want to read that I can start 10 books and leave them because I'm thinking about other books. I have a very specific taste in genres, thriller, horror, and history, nonfiction. My problem is not that I don't find books that I like. It's the opposite. My TBR is huge. Please help. Guadalupe, we are here for you. We know everyone struggles with this. Bria, do you ever feel the book FOMO? Yeah, definitely. First of all, I want to know how they read approach. I know. I'm so interested. Like, let us know. Write us back. Um, But yes, every time I get on some sort of social media, every time I look, I talk to other friends, every time I look at that TBR list, because I have a very long going TBR list, uh, or sometimes I do this show and I'm like, I wish I would have read that book before we talked about this subject. I think the book FOMO is very real for those of us who are excited to talk about books. It means we like books and we're excited about books and we want to read as many good books in our lifetime as possible. So 
that, it, it means you feel like you're missing out on some cool shit. What about you, Mallory? You ever get the FOMO? Oh, every day of my fucking life. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I have a plan. I want to be buried with my unfinished TBR pile like an ancient Egyptian mummy. Oh, great. So mm-hmm. that I can finish yes. reading the books in the afterlife. Instead of like putting an army or like gold and food or whatever the hell, just put all my books in there with me and then I'll be able to read them when I'm a ghost. Um, so <laughs> I read a lot and I read fast. In a good year, I can clear 200 books. And you know what? I still feel like this. You know, even if somehow mm-hmm. you were able to read every single book that came out in a year, let's say you read 200,000 books a year, you'd still die with a TBR list because what about all the books that came out before you started reading? So I think mm-hmm. the first step into getting over this feeling is acceptance. This feeling is just a part of being a reader. This is just, it's, it is baked in to, to, to loving books. So yeah, it turns out you are human, you're a human <laughs> person, and you have limitations, and like every human person, that have to do with your time. I mean, that's what, like, I, I would love to see a, a show or a book or a movie or something with, like, a werewolf or a, or, or a vampire or, like, some immortal being that's like, oh, I don't care about being hot or, or whatever, I just want to read forever, so that's why I, I had a vampire bite me. And then that's all I'm going to do with the rest of eternity. You know that uh, there's that uh, that Psalm for the Wild book, a book I keep talking about. Uh, it has that part where there's all the there's like one robot whose entire thing is they're like, I just want to watch. It was like they want to watch like cave cave like stalactites form or stalagmites. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one is it. Um, and like they just do that their entire existence, and they have forever basically. Incredible. So it could be like that. If you're like a robot who lives forever, you just literally read every book that comes out. The bookish version of Bicentennial Man. You know, just replace yes. all of my parts. <laughs> it's so funny why that, that that movie comes up on this show, but just replace all my parts with robot parts and I will read for the rest of eternity. So Bria, yes. what, what do you do with this feeling? Like when you feel like this and you like, do you feel panic? Like what do you, do you feel pressure? Like what, what does this feeling spur you to do? You know, for me, I find it makes me get harsher with picking what I'm reading next and makes me quit reading something uh, quicker, more quickly, which which I think is exactly what Guadalupe is saying. But maybe that is the problem because they're saying that they keep quitting books because they're thinking about other books. Yeah, they're, um, there's, they're so, uh, Guadalupe like, is so good at dumping books that... They're, she's dumping books while she's still reading, while she's like in the middle of them and still liking yeah, them. Still, while she's still, yes, yes, while she's, while she still wants to know what's happening. Um, um, I mean, for me, so I was recently, I had a lot of, I like I was trying to find a good horror book to talk about on the show and I was reading like a thriller and I was, and I, but I had downloaded like 10 horror books and I was like, I got to get to these books and see if there's one I can talk about on the show. Like, just like thinking, I want to read something horror and I was reading one and I was like, it's not getting me. You know, it was a thriller. It, t- it was one, it seems like I would have enjoyed it. And I, it made me dump it quicker because I can look at that TBR list and I'm like, I, 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 gotta, I gotta get to these other ones. It also makes me go through and like the Grim Reaper himself, <laughs> herself, is the Grim Reaper gendered? I don't know. Uh, like I the Grim like Reaper death is not gendered. I would agree. Um, I, like the Grim Reaper, I come out and I just take my scythe <laughs> Is that what? Yeah. Is that what they have? Yes. Um, uh, take take out that side, and I and I get to reaping with those books. I start going through my TBR list. If I'm feeling a lot of FOMO, where I'm like, I do not have the time, I go through that TBR list and I start culling. You know, I'm like, this one's gone, this one's gone, and I just 
like like death herself. I've decided it's a woman. <laughs> I like death herself. I go through and I stab those books right through the middle and then th- throw them straight to hell. I don't know what the Grim Reaper does. <laughs> I think. What is the scythe for? Well, it's like supposed to be that he's that they're reaping souls, you know. So, but they don't kill people with the scythe. No, they wait for them to die, and then they're like, "Ha! Ah, I've got your soul, and I'm bringing it to the afterlife." Reaped. Well, that sounds like it would be one of those long, long canes, like for picking you know, up trash like, in the park. Stage. <laughs> like for picking up rappers. No, like yeah, yeah, kind of like that. But I meant like you know when someone's on stage and they're like going overboard, and someone pulls them <laughs> off with a cane. That's what it kind of feels like to me. Like. Because they're not stabbing people with that thing, are they? I'm no, sorry, y'all. We but should know more about this. I, it's Halloween, for God's sake. I feel like the Grim Reaper probably has a set of tools, but imagining a Grim Reaper as one of those people that's, like, doing community service on the side of the highway with a little backpack and, like, a big, long stick with a with a spike on the end, like, picking up gum wrappers. Um, but it's souls, but picking up souls. <laughs> very, very yes. funny to me. Anyway, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm taking that... Is it a scythe or a sickle? Now I don't even know. A sickle is handheld. A scythe is the big one. Wow, this is uh, some real goth shit Mallory just knew. <laughs> I um, well, I was t- I would take one of those and I stab those that TBR list. What about you? What do you do when you're feeling the FOMO? What uh, uh, creature? What what um, fake deity involving death do you do you uh, try to get to help you? I mean, whatever one reads, because that's what I do. I want to read when I feel like this. But I will say, so as a person who lives with an anxiety disorder. The best reaction to an anxious problem is a calm one. Uh, whenever I feel like this, I have the urge to be like, I'll just read three books this weekend in like a manic frenzy because I want to be reading more. And that's a goal that I will inevitably fail. Uh, and it will make me feel more panicked and more behind. And I think that might be sort of what's happening with Guadalupe is that she's just like trying as hard as she can to read as much as possible and panicking and sort of flailing about, which I understand because that's what I want to do. So the best thing to do I found for me is to be like, cool, I want to read more. I feel like I'm behind. I should bump up my regular reading schedule by either length or frequency. Like I find a manageable, doable goal, like bumping up my reading time by 10 or 15 minutes a day. Then I'm getting more reading in and I feel like I'm getting through books faster instead of setting up like a big unmanageable goal for myself and making myself more panicked. I'm just like, cool, well, I feel like this. I'll read for... I'll add a half an hour reading session in before I go to sleep every night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is better because I think the for me, I'm definitely going to that list and being like, there's just too many on the list. But I feel like she, what she's saying and what a lot of people are saying is they were like, there's too many on the list, but I'm so distracted by the list. I can't even pay attention. I can't even go and get the, the sickle out mm-hmm. and start you know, uh, 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 stabbing the pieces of gum. This is, I'm <laughs> mixing up our metaphors, but... Um, <laughs> It's a great yes, visual, though, so I You will add say. time. Yes. Yes. But, I mean, Mallory, I, I, you can add time forever, and you still aren't going to finish all those books. So, well, what, what other advice do you have for this? I mean, give up. <laughs> <laughs> Just give watch yourself, TV. Be nicer to yourself and know that, you know, there's no realistic uh, way for you to finish all these books. Life is limited. Time is limited. You won't get to do everything you want to do in life. You aren't going to read every book. You're not going to go to visit every city you're going to want to go to. Life is short. Um, but... You got the same way I feel like you can let go of some of that FOMO, FOMO of your friend. Like, you know, your friends are somewhere and you're like, I kind of want to go, but I kind of like don't want to go because I also enjoy my couch. Um, 
I, just know that if you're reading some, one random esoteric book this year and no one is talking about it, that's also great. Because I think the FOMO thing comes a lot of times from the buzziness that is happening. It's like, I go read like 10 books that are coming out this week that you should read. And I'm like, 10? I don't have time for 10 books this, <laughs> to add 10 books this week. I don't have time for one book this week. Um, so I think it is about realizing that maybe not every book is for you. But it's, I don't know, this, it's interesting to like, for a person that's just dumping books because they want to get on to the next one. And I would say... Pick a book you're really excited about and tr do try to commit to it. I know we always say to dump that book, but if you're just dumping left and right and not finding, and because you have you have such bad FOMO, I think trying to finish one of them will maybe inspire you to be more um, picky with the books that you're choosing next mm -hmm. because you know you're going to try to finish this book. I also will say, I, I just think... You got to let go a little bit because there is just no way. We're all going to, Mallory said it before, we're all going to die with a TBR list. We're <laughs> we all are Put literally going to have a TBR list. And we're like, I haven't read all the Jane Austen yet. Mm -hmm. Like, those are my last words. Like, why is that what she said? Um, uh, but I, I, so I guess I'm not saying to give up, but I am saying you got to let go a little bit. You got to mm -hmm. let go of that tight hold. I mean, if, if, if this is, like, really dark, I would say you need to get rid of that TBR list. If, if this is, like, if we are in dire straits here. But I think mostly I'm going to tell you to finish one of those books and see how that feels to finish the book and if it makes you happier than moving on to new books every, you know, 50 pages or something. If you like moving on every 50 pages... Go, go for it. You know, if you only want to read 50 pages of a book and, you're, and that's all you want to do, that's also fine. I'm not going to, like, make this person finish something but I, I would try to finish one finish one of the books and see how it feels so i i have two things think? that have been help working for me lately so one of them involves my book cart um one so when i feel like this i batten down the hatches on my wheelhouse i think so my natural reader state is to be a little bit curious about almost every book i think i've talked about this before on the show because that's mm -hmm. how i was on tinder i was like oh but maybe he's cool you know but i you know i just every book i see i'm like oh well, what if it's good even if it's not in my immediate wheelhouse and i find myself putting holds on library books for books that are like if it looks even a little good you know what i mean uh, and then the hole yeah, comes same. in and I'm yeah. like, wait, why did I even want to read this? And then my reading gets bogged down and I'm like, what, 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 how, how did this happen? So I would try, and this is what I do. I try, Guadalupe and everyone else who is feeling like this, try reading books that are only in like, in online dating terms, super matches. Books that are like mm. right square in your wheelhouse. Remember, there are so many books in the world and you're not going to like most of them. You know, focus on the ones that you have mm. a much, much better chance of loving. And this is what I do when I feel like this. Instead of, like, reading that book that, like, I, you know, seems kind of good and I got from the library, I will read a book that I've been, like, saving for a while because it looks perfect for me. And also, I, something that's been helping me a lot is my book cart. Instead of having, like, looking at all, like, this massive, huge set of bookcases where all these books that I want to read, I curate it down to a, like my little cart full of books. And then sometimes what I'll do if I'm really feeling like this is I will pick two, three, four books and make a little tiny pile that I keep either next to my bed or in the living room. And that's my TBR. And it looks really manageable because it's easy to feel panicked when you're seeing like, oh, wow, I have this entire bookcase full of books I need to read. It feels less panicky when you're like, I'm reading this book and I want, I can't wait to get to my other books. But look, at it, it's only just a little stack of two other books that I want to read. Keeping it sort of like out of sight, out of mind, you know, 
so you're not looking at like being constantly reminded of all the books that you want to read. Just make it really small, really manageable. And it, I feel less panicked that way. I feel less rushed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, I have one more suggestion. I think realize this. And this will help you. This is what happens to me towards the end of the year. Mallory, I always talk about this where I'm like, like November comes around and I'm like, okay, I, I, I maybe will read eight more books this year. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably about the most I will. Like if for two months, it's about, it's going to be eight months, eight books-ish. Then I start to get really picky and I'm like, wow, I don't even give a fuck about this book. I don't want to re- read this this year. I want to get through these other eight books. Like that is, that really, if you realize like, hey, I read 10 books a year, and you're like, I only have time for these 10 books. It will really make you very choosy about which ones you are going to actually read and finish. Agreed. Uh, and of course, we want to hear from other anxious TBR glassers uh, who who maybe have, have tips or advice or, you know, just uh, uh, understand what a lot of other, what a lot of readers are going through. Um, some solidarity for Guadalupe and everyone else, you can send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to Andy Marino about his new scary book, It Rides a Pale Horse, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by our friends over at Dipsy. Are you feeling a little anxious or overwhelmed? Maybe you were relating to the people in this episode and you're like, wow, there's so many books to read and I'm feeling anxious and overwhelmed about it. And these feelings can make it hard to shift gears and get in the mood. Imagine being in bed and you're like, oh, I'm, I want to feel sexy, but I'm so anxious about all the books that I haven't been, I haven't got to read. <laughs> With Dipsy. Someone you, is relating to that statement right now. Someone is definitely relating to that. Well, Dipsy's got you covered. And with Dipsy, you can focus on what makes you feel good. But what is Dipsy, Bria? Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. Get ready for all sorts of stuff. You you have you can find intriguing stories about that that coworker with a British accent, or maybe hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. Y'all have all thought about it. Yeah. You know you have. <laughs> and there's queer stories on here too, which is fantastic. But besides all their sexy stuff, they also have sleep stories, wellness sessions. They also offer written stories. And folks, because Dipsy knows how voracious erotica and romance readers out there, don't worry, there are always new stories. You're not going to run out of stories on Dipsy. Uh, they're absolutely fantastic. We love them. They're truly made for glassers because you, like Bria said, you can search for sexy wheelhouses and they're really great for, maybe you aren't a voracious erotica or romance reader and you want to try to get into the genre and you're not sure where to start. Dipsy is perfect for that. There are hundreds and hundreds of short stories that are easy and quick to listen to. Uh, you could, so you can try out a bunch of different sub genres of erotica and romance with uh, with very little time effort. It's just such a fantastically designed app that really is made for people who love romance and erotica. And for those glassers, for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash glasses. So that's not like, ooh, 30, a 30-day trial where you get like a little bit of the little bit of access or a few stories to try out. That is 30 days of Full access. So you can listen to, maybe if you just didn't sleep for 30 days, 100 short stories. You can listen to a ton of stuff. Try it out. Again, total full access. So that's D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash glasses. Dipsystories.com slash glasses. 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 Did your neighbor back into your car? Bring that case to Judge Judy. (laughs) 
think the mailman might be the real father? Give that one to Judge Mathis. But does your mom want you to flush her ashes down the toilet at Disney World when she passes away? Now that's my jurisdiction. Welcome to the court of Judge John Hodgman, where the people are real, the disputes are real, and the stakes are often unusual. If I got arrested for dumping your ashes in the Jungle Cruise, it would be an honor. I don't want to be part of somebody getting a super yacht. I don't know at what point you want to go into this, but we've had a worm bin before. Available free right now at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman, the court of last resort when your wife won't stop pretending to be a cat and knocking the clean laundry over. So here we are with author Andy Marino. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Our most favorite question here, what are you reading? It's spooky season, so very interested to see what you're reading right now. Yeah, I am totally going to bomb this one because it is not a horror novel, although you can make the argument that it's pretty horrific. Um, that counts. So that just, totally counts. Yeah, totally. Uh, just for super brief background, uh, in addition to writing horror novels for adults, I also um, I write a series of historical novels for middle grade readers for Scholastic. So nerd uh, during the day, spooky at night. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, and so that involves a little bit of a little bit of research. Um, and the latest one I wrote is called Escape from Stalingrad. Um, so you know, it's Stalingrad for kids. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty impressed that you're managed that you've uh, managed to be able to pull pull that off. Yeah, they're like it's like you know the worst thing that ever happened in history. You should make that fun for ten year olds. But, uh, <laughs> That's incredible. But anyway, so in in addition to my uh, like the research stuff I do, whenever I do a historical novel, I also like to read a novel or two set in the time period, just to just for kind of not really for research, but for like quasi fun, uh, atmospheric, just to kind of let it live in my head a little bit when I'm working. You're definitely uh, my kind of person. If you reading history books is your kind of fun. It is, yeah, it is. I mean, that's why these novels ended up being such a good fit for me. But um, anyway, uh, so I, I started earlier in the summer. I started a Russian novel called Life and Fate, which is amazing because only only a Russian novelist could title something that and get away. And with I'm it. assuming it's it's a honker. Like it's probably five million pages, right? Yes, it's it's <laughs> roughly five or six million pages, depending on the translation. And, <laughs> Yeah, but it's just, it's like the doorstop you would expect a Russian novel to be. Anyway, um, it's awesome. I love it. It's set in Stalingrad. It's like, it's like a mid 20th century war and peace, essentially, which was kind of his goal. Um, and it's got the author Vasily Grossman uh, is it, was a journalist who was on the front lines in Stalingrad. So it's all these firsthand accounts, you know, and it's just in addition to being the monster Russian family drama that you'd expect it to be. Um, anyway, the point is, that novel has lingered uh, just because it's so long. And, uh, you know, like any busy person reading a Russian novel, it just it just is what it is. It's going to take you, you know, two months to read. So that is what I'm reading now, but I'm on the tail end of it. And I'm looking forward to reading Devil House next. So that will be in time. Nice. That's a wicked good one. Well, speaking oh, of what... Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that book. I love that author. I think I've read all of his books at this point. And it's, uh, it's extremely not what you expect, but it is very, very good. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, I only know, I think, one other person that's read it who's similarly raved about it. So um, that's cool. I'm, I'm excited. It'll be, I'm assuming it'll be a nice break after yeah. this giant book. You'll, you'll read it in a week and be like, oh my God, I'm the fastest reader ever. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what that's what normal books are like. <laughs> well, speaking of normal books, uh, or maybe not so normal books, can you tell us about your new book, It Rides a Pale Horse? Yes. Uh, this is my second uh, horror novel, my second novel for adults. Um, and it is about, uh, it's about art. And uh, it's about, it, it concerns a sculptor. His name is Peter Larkin, uh, Lark to his friends. And he's sort of a hometown hero in a, in a small Hudson Valley town in upstate New York. Um, he, as a, as a really young guy, he goes, he moves to the city. He becomes like a hotshot sculptor, you know, uh, kind of like a bad boy artist going out, getting drunk, real two-fisted artist type. Um, and, but then he abandons all that uh, and he moves back home and he buys a house so that he can take care of his sister who is, uh, is troubled, but, uh, and you know, you might call her eccentric. Uh, her name is Betsy and she is even more talented than he is, but she's more of a recluse. Um, and her talent manifests in some pretty unsettling ways. Uh, so she becomes sort of a pariah in the town and Lark and Betsy come up with a scheme to sort of put guardrails on her talent. So Betsy becomes a forger. Uh, she spends all her time doing these incredibly detailed forge forgeries of, of uh, you know, famous paintings. Um, but each the, the, the trick is that each forgery has this turning, like her talent can't be contained entirely. So everything's got this really, really creepy little turning in it that has different effects on viewers. Um, and the, the, the plot engine is when Lark goes to deliver a sculptor to this filthy rich buyer who's, you know, living up in the mountains in a sort of a compound. Instead of it being like a normal transaction, he is shown a video of his sister being kidnapped in real time. And then he's handed this sort of Necronomicon-esque, you know, old ancient text. Uh, and as the ransom, he's forced to sculpt this, this uh, infernal, impossible sculpture uh, so that his sister will go free. And as he's doing so, there are all sorts of catastrophic changes in the town and it just has all these uh, really, really horrifying effects on things. So good. So scary. So obviously art and artists play a massive part in this book. Were there any real life creepy sculptures or sculptors, paintings, painters that you were inspired by? Yeah, there are tons and a lot of them actually show up in the book, uh, more, more so the paintings than the sculptors, because I actually wanted to be a painter at, at one point. So it always kind of factors into my work. But a lot of them uh, show up in the form of paintings that Betsy is forging. Um, and I really tried to I really tried to not rest on like the the surrealist laurels of being like, this is a creepy, crazy painting, you know, um, I really wanted to find because there's lots of paintings that, that are really unsettling and all, you know, there are like creepy impressionist paintings. Um, Edvard Munch is one of my favorites and I find him pretty much terrifying. Uh, so just, just to rattle off a few that Betsy forges, um, uh, Edward Hopper's Nighthawks. Uh, Very you know, creepy. Like, yeah. The, the painting of the diner. It, it's always, ever since I was a kid, it's always struck me as so creepy. Like it's so airless. It just looks like mm -hmm. the stage set of these mid-century figures you know the the woman in the dress and the the counterman and the white hat and the empty the really sterile street outside um it just it seems like it just exists in this netherworld exhibit like a little human exhibit or something like that um and it always really freaked me out so that plays a really prominent role in the book um uh mary cassatt the american impressionist there, there's a painting of hers called young mother sewing which is not going to sound scary at all. I don't know. I think that title sounds pretty creepy. <laughs> it, it, it is, yeah, it, it's it's like it's a beautiful painting, and it's just 
it is, you know, it's, it's pretty literal. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a young mother. She's sewing. Um, it looks like she's mending a dress or something like that. And her daughter is lean, you know, she's got like a six year old daughter, maybe she's leaning on her lap and looking straight at what would be the camera if it was a photographer. Um, so she's just kind of her, this little girl's eyes are, are kind of piercing into your soul while her mother is otherwise occupied. Uh, and there's this kind of, uh, middle ground fuzziness of the landscape out the window in the back. And it just, it's, it's really, it's really cool. It's kind of one of those paintings that the more you look at it, the more you're like kind of getting the chills. Uh, it's just this frozen in time scene that, that really kind of freaked me out. So I, I really wanted to put that in there. Um, creepy children are extra scary, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it totally does. It kind of indulged that classic horror, creepy child staring at you thing, but the overall effect of the painting is, is, I don't know. There's just something about it. Um, and then I do indulge some surrealism with Rene Magritte. Cause I've always liked his stuff with like the shrouded, uh, when, when I was, when I was a kid, I, I read a story about him finding his mother drowned in a river and her, sh- her, her dress or something was like a shroud over her face. Holy shit. I, yeah. Holy shit. My so, God. so he always paints these shrouded faces, these figures with like sheets over their face or something. And it's just, it's unbelievably terrifying and weird. This is what people had to do before therapy was invented. It's, yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> and so, um, and then Frida Kahlo, who I love, um, she has this great painting called the wounded deer, which is like Frida Kahlo's face on a deer. So sort of like this centaur thing in the woods and it's just riddled with arrows like Sebastian and she has antlers uh it's awesome (laughs) oh my god that sounds amazing yeah Uh, yeah it was a cool opportunity in this book to kind of without it feeling indulgent because they all they're all kind of like uh important to the plot it was a cool opportunity to write about uh some paintings that I've always loved and kind of like give props to some artists that have always inspired me in a way that like I hope translates the really unsettling cool nature of their work well, perfect timing for me to ask. So something that our, our listeners love to know is, so if this book were a dish at an Indian restaurant, how many red chili peppers would be next to it, scary-wise? People, oh, when, when they listen to the show that, and we recommend scary books, they always want to know, how scary is this? That's a great question. I, I think this book would be like the sneakiest spicy dish. Like when you're eating, there's that feeling of like overarching dread of like, this is going to hit me at any moment. I know it is. Um, but it's delicious. And then at the end, let's say the peppers start to equal existential dread. So by the end of the book, I think we're dealing with four out of five uh, existentially horrifying hot peppers. So as, as the dish builds up in your mouth, it is all of a sudden by the end, by the time you're finished, it's your, your face is on fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, your face is on fire for the rest of your life. <laughs> Amazing. So it's spooky season. You know, I, our, our listeners know I have lots of rituals for this time of year. Do you have any rituals this time of year? Are there movies that you watch or like types of movies that you watch, things that you consume every every Halloween season? Yeah. So um, I, I usually, not every year, but uh, a lot of years, go to this uh, 24-hour horror film festival in Philadelphia uh, nice. put on by the, the awesome people at exhumed films they program like a 24-hour festival you sit in a theater from noon saturday to noon sunday and watch like 14 movies in a row uh, and it's always an amazing mix of um 
of classics and uh and and by the way as as far as i know they find like the actual film reels for all these or as many as they can um so you're watching awesome. watching actual film it's a great a great combination of classics things you've seen uh weirdo exploitation movies lots of 70s and 80s stuff you know grindhouse fair plus like sort of sub grindhouse stuff that like you know a guy made uh for ten dollars in 1984 and that no one's ever seen like that they somehow found um so that's always like a cool tradition but uh unfortunately that doesn't really i, I wish there was a way to kind of do some kind of uh one-to-one -one equivalency with reading but i i think like unless you you know made it a point to like take uppers and stay up for 24 hours. <laughs> it really wouldn't, I don't know if you could do that to your, with your eyes, like watching movies is much more <laughs> passive so you can do marathons, but like, although the idea of a horror book marathon is possibly something no one's tried. So, but that, so the, the, this whole episode is about that, you know, not having enough time to read and how you deal with that feeling of, Oh my God, there's so many amazing books that are coming out constantly and I'm never going to have time to read them all. And for you, this is a great question, especially because you just spent, you know, three years getting through this Russian novel. How do you deal with that feeling of like, oh, my God, I'll never read all the books that I want to read? Oh, man, that is such a great question. I feel like we could talk about this forever. Um, it. So I think sort of fundamentally is like you kind of have to make your peace with it a little bit. It's just it is what it is. It's like, you can't travel to all the countries you want to see in your lifetime. Uh, it, mm -hmm. it's, you know, and you can dwell on it, but it's not really going to gonna change anything. So I guess a sort of a personal little hack I've sort of incorporated into my reading is like, I try to change up genres a lot. So I fit all my interests. Like if I take a year's worth of reading and I read 30 to 40 novels or something like that, given my general level of busyness and uh and whatever I, I try to change things up so if i if i read if i spend a lot of time reading an epic fantasy trilogy um like earlier this year i read joe abercrombie's uh blade itself trilogy which was awesome but then i i kind of try to follow that up with you know a palate cleanser like something shorter like a noir novel or cyberpunk or you know something really punchy uh and then from there i'll go to you know the russian novel the one the one like doorstop of the year i'm gonna read <laughs> Uh, so, you know, like, I'm not going to finish this novel that took me three months and be like, I think I'm going to read Gravity's Rainbow now or something like that, because, you know, that just, then, then I read five novels a year and it just wouldn't be, then the FOMO would be off the charts. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so, so you take like a buffet approach. You try to get the best, instead of getting everything, you try to get a little bit of everything. Yeah. The continental breakfast. And it, it, <laughs> And it kind of like, I love it doesn't that. really, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really change anything in terms of, you know, like, I guess some people read like a hundred dollars a year. Like I, I don't, I tend to be, I keep track and I, it's tend to average out to like 30 to 40. Uh, oh, I, well, I've got to ask, we're big book trackers on the show. Do you, yeah. how do you, how do you keep track? So I go super old school with the tracking because on a whim, like 10 years ago, I just started a word doc basically. And I, it's just a list. But, do you uh, like put any of your thoughts? Do you rate the book or is it just the title and the author? Honestly, I think it's become just the title. I think I just kind of like am, am confident that I'll remember the author. Although probably if I went back to the beginning of it, I might not. Um, but yeah, it's really just like a super low tech way to keep track of what I've been reading. But I, I do find it sad. I, I do like the idea that it'll run my entire life. 
I, do you want to be buried with it? Do yeah. you want someone to burn it when you're, when you die? <laughs> I want it to be printed out and, <laughs> and faxed somewhere. <laughs> it could be read at your funeral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On a giant scroll. Uh, so, uh, well, books that you like to read, what is your reader wheelhouse? Do you have, are there any, you, you like, it seems like you have, you're a pretty uh, wide reader. You like a, a bunch of different genres. Is there anything that always gets you to pick up a book, like a trope, um, a particular genre, a subject, maybe a type of book cover, you know, something that, that will always in, pique your interest? Yes. So I tend to consider horror less a genre and more of like a free floating aesthetic that can be popped into other genres. Um, so anything that, anything that seems weird and horror tinged and nightmarish in a way that like, you know, turns the world on its head. And there's like, uh, it's kind of like that weird fiction feeling of like the prose is sort of like tripping you out too. And it's this whole atmospheric creation, um, stuff like, uh, I real famous examples recently are like annihilation. Um, yeah. Things that just really upend reality, but not in like a, we just jumped through a portal kind of way. Just more like a, um, you know, more like a real twisted, like I just turned on the light switch and it didn't really do what I thought it was going to do for some reason. Like, so just really weird little tweaks on reality like that. Um, anything that's billed as that kind of atmosphere will always get me, uh, Will always get me um, you like your night getting ruined yeah I, I like ruining everything that could possibly be ruined. Uh, <laughs> but I also like uh, I guess sort of the other side of that coin is like just since I was a kid I've really liked sprawling epics and and you know fantasy with bonkers world building and things like that um like China Bieville and uh I, I just I guess which I guess is kind of weird fiction adjacent anyway but um that that's the kind of stuff like you know when you're a little kid and you're like i'm gonna write fantasy novels and you start drawing these like really complicated maps and you're like 10 years old and you know <laughs> that's where it all starts is the map it does it, yeah like books with maps when you're a kid you're like oh my god i can make a map of a world and then write like forty thousand pages about it and people will love it um so for whatever reason you know as like a young fantasy reader i that just I, i'm sure there's every reader is like this but it just sticks in your mind like that stuff you start reading when you're really those really formative reading ages when you're kind of rushing home after school to look at your map books. It's so true. It is. Yeah. So I think that stuff is still, you know, the kind of stuff where it's like RPGs that go on forever, like that, that kind of stuff just will always get me. Even if it's like nowadays I find myself in bookstores, like picking up a lot of Epic fantasy and being like, I don't know if I have the time to commit to this right now. Like I just, you know what I mean? But it's still, but you still want just, it. It still always draws me in. Uh, that is fantastic. I love I love that thought of you opening a book and going, oh my God, look at this map. I got to have this book. Yeah, this map is awesome. Or there's a family tree. Uh, that That is another big one. Big, complicated family tree and a map. You know you're in for a ride. Oh, if you get the map and the family tree, it's like, yeah, you don't even need the book. Yeah. <laughs> like I can, I can make up my own story based on these. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, the book is out now. Where can listeners find you online? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Andy underscore Marino. And you can also go to my website, uh, Andy dash Marino, M-A-R-I-N-O.com. And that has, uh, you can, you can see uh, books for adults, books for kids, neatly sorted. So if you're a horror lover who has like a eight to 12 year old child, you can uh, get all of them. 
Yeah, that is your that's your target audience is horror lovers who have history loving kids. Yeah, yeah, that's that is absolutely the target audience. Hopefully, there are um, billions of them. <laughs> Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. This was an awesome interview, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Now let's answer a recommendation request from Sarah. Hi, Bria, Mallory, and Glass of the Community. I, like so many in our community, like to track my reading in several ways and also to see my interesting stats. One of my goals is to read a million pages in my lifetime, so I've adapted the Book Riot reading log to track my statistics from the end of 2016 to present. Oddly, I find this far less daunting than a year book goal. So far, I'm at five... Uh, 57,872. That's a lot of pages. Wow. Uh, so still a bit to go, but wow, yeah. that is really cool. Another thing. What I'm, about the pages before 2016 though? You're not counting those. Maybe. I know. Maybe I would, they're not. That, uh, well, well, I mean, yeah. gotta start okay. somewhere. Uh, Sarah says, another thing I started earlier this year was using a Google map to pin locations where books take place if they take place on our planet. A lot of fantasy and sci-fi is read in my house. I find it interesting to see where the books I've read take place globally. Unsurprisingly, most of them take place in North America and Eastern Europe. I have a few books in my TBR that will be pinned in Mexico, China, India, and a couple spots in Africa, but I'm 98% sure that I have nothing in my TBR that takes place in South America. Do you have any recommendations for books that take place in South America? Thank you both so much for your bookish guidance. First of all, I am looking at this map right now because I'm very curious. Wow, this is so cool. I it's a wicked cool idea. Do this. Okay. Um, sorry. Okay. Uh, the, the wheelhouse. Um, this person's wheelhouse, Sarah. Of course, it's a Sarah. We knew it was. Why did I even look? <laughs> um, uh, textiles, specifically yarn. That's very specific. You know I we love, love a specific Families wheelhouse. That, I know. Families that support and are happy for a new relationship. Fantasy where women and men are viewed equally as equal in ability. Badass women in general. Fuck you endings. Psychological horror and political drama. Mallory, what do you have um, for Sarah? For one of our Sarahs. So my pick for this is The Antill by Julianne Pacheco. Um, it is, so it's psychological horror uh, and takes place in Colombia. So it ticks the boxes for Sarah. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's about this woman and she returns to her hometown in Colombia after being away at a boarding school in England for years and years. I think she left when she was like 10 or 12 and she comes back when she's like in her mid twenties, I think. So it's been a really long time. Uh, she gets back and she reconnects with her childhood best friend and he runs a daycare for the street kids of the town. And she decides to start working at this daycare with him and very quickly she realizes that her friend is not like she remembers him and neither are her childhood memories because uh, she grew up very upper class and her best friend was lower class and so she has one way of remembering what their childhood was like and he has a very different way of remembering what their childhood was mm. like and she quickly realizes that there's something off at this daycare all this creepy stuff starts to happen it is very unsettling and it explores themes of like class and privilege and memory you might like it because I know you love like yeah. your memory stuff. Uh, I think Sarah will really like it. It's a great read for October um, and it's super fun. Bria, what do you think Sarah should read? Wow, I really went down a path with this. Mallory, have you ever read Tender is the Flesh? It's a book I started reading and it was so dark I couldn't handle it. Oh my God. Uh, people keep recommending it to me, but I think I realized Ooh. that cannibalism is in my dog house like I have a really hard time I think yeah. I have like a hard time with food books I remember I had a hard time with the sin eaters like I'm already so weird about food oh, yeah, that like gross one. food stuff is hard for me to read and especially like cannibal stuff so I've avoided this book for that reason but everybody I've talked to that's read it fucking loves it 
Although I will say it's not psychological horror. Okay, so for my first first thought was uh, obviously we set the dark on fire. That's gonna be it. But then I looked it up, and that is a fictional country. It is a fictional country. Oh my God, I just I didn't thought know that. it was set in Latin or South America. I couldn't remember. I was like, oh wait, no, it's not. It's a fictional com- country, so I'm incorrect. Um, so the books I'm gonna recommend I haven't read in a minute, but there are two. There's two authors. Um, I think you might know one, Mallory. So it's mm-hmm. twins who, um, uh, one of them did the illustrations for Umbrella Academy. It's Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon, and they're from Brazil, and they do really great graphic novels. There was one I was thinking of called Two Brothers, and it's about two brothers who separate after a fight as kids, and it may not fit because it's not like a supporting family wheelhouse, but I was also thinking about this book called Day Tripper. It's if If you're open to graphic novels. It takes place in Brazil. I haven't read this one in a while. Um, it came out a little while ago, but I do. It's one I've been wanting to revisit. Maybe we can revisit it together, Sarah. Um, it's about a guy who writes obituaries, and it has this sort of like sci-fi-ish, but positive element to it. I don't want to give too much away, but I do remember it having like quite a b- bit of like Brazilian culture in it, in like a really fun way that it's all like there's like fun stuff in there. Um, so that's the one I would recommend because I think it could be good and it's going to have, it is, there's some psychological stuff and almost, I don't want to give too much away by telling you what happens, but there is some like psychological kind of fantasy type stuff and, um, it might, I don't know what a fuck you ending is, but it might have that as well. I don't know what a fuck you ending. I don't know what a fuck you ending. Sarah, let us know what a fuck you ending is. Maybe it's like an ending that doesn't, that says fuck you to the reader. Like it's like, we're not, I'm not going to give you any like a Paul Tremblay ending, like a, I'm not going to tell you one way or the mm. other. You know what I mean? Yeah, could be. Or if it's like a, uh, this person's like, fuck all this, and then goes off into the woods and it's never heard from again. Let us know, Sarah. What's a fuck you ending? Uh, so my my book for Sarah is uh, The Ant Hill by Julianne Pacheco. And I'm going to say Day Tripper, the comic series by Gabriel Baum, Fabio Moon. So if you want us to answer your recommendation request or solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you want to look hot and support us and show off your love of reading. Maybe it's a great way to start a bookish conversation. You can go to our uh, Void Merch store and check out all our merch there. We got totes and shirts and stickers and all kinds of cool stuff for you to support the show and show off how much you're a reader. You know, maybe you can meet other people who have book FOMO and then you can you can bond over it and you will feel better about your book anxiety. There's a link in the show notes for that. And if you like the show and you want to do something nice for us that will really make a difference and will be totally free, please rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. It's great for us and helps us grow our audience and our sponsors. It really, really means a lot to us. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for reading. reading.